Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast for music lovers. As always, we've got a great show planned, but before we do, as always, please remember to like and comment and subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends and your family members. Uh, comments really help as well. Any sort of engagement uh, is great, so uh, we... We greatly appreciate that. Luke, who is the selected um, audience member of the week? Tell someone who plays piano to listen to our podcast. A pianist. If you know someone. A pianist. A pianist. Yes. Tickling the ivories. Also, uh, did you know that uh, it's been found that our podcast is uh, helpful if you play it for uh, babies who aren't born yet in utero? Oh, is it I've now? I found out this Studies information recently. Recently. So if you play this for unborn children, they will. It's like uh, Mozart or Beethoven when you play classical oh, music. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's like a baby Einstein kind of thing. Wow. Well, so, there yeah. you go. Backed yeah. by science, folks. You can't deny that. Wow. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get the music here rolling, and um, we'll get the show going. Wow. Enthusing words. Thank you. you. We also forgot to tell everyone what's on the podcast today. Oh my goodness! We did forget to tell people what's on the podcast today. Before we roll this theme song, yes, we let's have roll it. Music news: We are going to talk about three albums that were released in January 1973 that are celebrating their 50th anniversary. We have the Beach Boys' Holland, we have Aerosmith's self-titled album, and we have Bruce Springsteen's "Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey." We have two debut albums and one long haul album in there. And then we are going to talk about the musical year that was 2003. Probably not in that order. We're going to do 2003 first, but you know, yeah. get with it. Get in the garage. Let's uh, now. Let's let's start the. Let's roll some theme song. Let's I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put the theme song in this week too. Oh yeah. So I forgot to put the theme song in last week. Uh, so we are sitting in silence <laughs> when we're like roll that theme song and nothing happens. So. Just like- <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> so, it's me. It's me. Right. Let me just say. Let me just say that right now, uh, you know, there's uh, there's a, a, a you know a bit of upgrading happening with our computer system and all that kind of stuff. Editing has gone into a different set of hands. Those hands being Luke's. I'm learning how to video edit. And Luke's uh, learning how to video edit. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun experience for us all. It'll be wow. a good time. Um, every episode, of course, we open with some music news. Guys, what's on the docket today? What's what's in? What's hot? What are the people talking about? Extra, extra. I'm going to say it's a little dry this musical news season. Yeah. Do you guys have anything fun? I have, I so, have an RIP. Okay, let's go with the RIP first. Let's start um, out song. RIP to Tom Bell, who was one of the um, masterminds behind the Philly soul sound of the 1960s and 70s. He was a songwriter and producer. And he died this week at the age of 79 years old. He's behind a lot of hits from groups like the Delphonics and the Spinners and the OJs. Mm. It's yeah. a shame. He wrote Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time, which is featured heavily in the movie Jackie Brown. Oh, okay. Also, right Electric Sitar. Philly Soul has one of the best record labels of all time. It's that green label. It's Philly Soul. Mm. It's yeah. real, real nice. Purple. Yeah. Well, rest in peace. Um, I've got a bit of music news. Let's uh, hear it. Mariah Carey making another uh, appearance on the Get in the Garage music news segment. So if in some interviews Mariah Carey has stated that All I Want for Christmas is You was a song that she had written on a Casio keyboard when she was like 12, 13, 14 years old or something like that. The official co-writer, Walter, I hope I say this right, Afanasif, 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 um, 
What is going on? Oh, you're good. You're just hearing other things. It's not. It's it's not. It's not affecting you. Yeah. No. Well, it's hard to concentrate. I hear you. Um, <laughs> let's just fucking cut it there, and we'll start back in. I'll just start back in with this, and you can just okay. All right. All right. I've got some music news. Um, Mariah Carey makes another appearance in our music news segment. So the song "All I Want for Christmas Is You." was supposedly written by Mariah Carey when she was 12, 13, 14 years old on a Casio keyboard. Uh, the co-writer of the song, Walter Afanasief, um, who is a, you know, a songwriter and everything in his own right, too. He's got a couple of Grammys for work with uh, Celine Dion. My heart will go on. And uh, he won to 2000 Producer of the Year, non-classical. But uh, so, yeah he came back in a podcast and was like no 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 that's not how it happened like she has no idea what he said something in a quote where she has no idea what um she doesn't know a diminished chord from a minor seventh chord to a major seventh chord she doesn't play keyboard or piano she doesn't understand music she doesn't know chord (laughs) changes and music theory or anything like that so it's a tall tale who knows who's uh telling the truth and who's not i would probably assume that he is telling the truth yeah did she hum a melody when she was a teenager that's what Possibly. i was that's what i you was know, thinking like, like yeah or write a simple poem yeah sure right but uh yeah so according to him he was like no but yeah he that's was not... he, her keyboard player this like, is also right. he wrote the music the second uh mariah carey all i want for christmas drama this year drama i mean you also brought up a case a couple months ago where that someone was like i wrote i wrote a song just like that before and yeah. uh it turned out to be not so true so I think there's a lot of Mariah Carey haters considering that All I Want for Christmas is You is like not only kind of like a meme unto itself anyway, right? Like mm. when Thanksgiving comes, there's all the memes of Mariah Carey thawing for for the Christmas season and now there's I memes don't. of her like Money, the, money, money, man. Because right. that song brings in saying. that song brings in guaranteed ten million dollars a year to somebody. That's what I'm saying. Right. It, well, yeah. keyboard guy. If I'm keyboard guy, I just let Mariah yeah. Carey have it and be like, Yep, I wrote the keyboard. Who care? I don't Send care. Send me that check. I don't yeah, give a fuck yeah, who wrote it. Yeah, that's what I'm right. saying. Uncle I, Sam I mean, says I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like any there's any like sort of lawsuit or anything, as much as no. it was just he had just some uh stated on a podcast that he's like, No, no, beef. no. Maybe a little oh, a little bit of beef. That's we're going into your territory. Some beef if you will. Yeah. So <laughs> Dude, I got some beef. Okay. Remember we talked about Journey and how they were suing each other because mm. uh, what's the original guitar player's name? Neil um, Sean. Neil yes. Sean. Neil Sean is how you pro- I, the pronunciation of his last name always gets me. Um, he was uh, supposedly spending too much money on the corporate credit card, and the keyboard player um, filed King. yes filed lawsuit against him. Well, now uh, Neil has fired uh, filed a lawsuit against. The keyboard player Jonathan, because Jonathan was at Mar-a-Lago with, um, you know, some Republican people like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that, and he performed a version of "Don't Stop Believing" at Mar-a-Lago, and now they are suing each other again for, you know, uh, using the song in a political way mm. as to damage the band. So, all this being said, the double lawsuit for corporate spending credit card, the political playing at Mar-a-Lago, 
They are starting a tour on January 27th. <laughs> I was going to say, they made an album a couple months ago. Yeah. 2023, nice. and they just made an album a couple months ago. This is so crazy. This band is like multiple lawsuits deep and about to go on stage. Well, how I, are they going to pay the lawyers? I hope it gets volatile. I hope it does. <laughs> it's all, Bad I mean, blood at the Journey show. At this point, it... I mean, it'll be interesting if there's some trading of barbs across the stage. It's just like kind of like, come on, guys, give it up at this point. Like, you guys are multiple lawsuits deep. You do not enjoy each other's company on any level. It's we like, don't need to see you play together. Well, it's, yeah, and then it's just like, just go your separate ways, man. Uh, Fleetwood Mac once said. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Separate ways. Sorry. So. Yeah. So, well, that's interesting. Did you say go your own ways? No, I said you should go your separate ways. Oh, yes. They should go their separate ways. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Um, well, so, yeah, that was that drama. I thought it was very interesting and, um, you know, uh, journey, man. Yeah. It's I, been a journey. Yeah. <laughs> I have, <laughs> I also have some Thank legal you. news. If you Thank like, you, no, he said it, he said it a minute half ago. <laughs> no, you didn't hear no. me say it? <laughs> no, I didn't fucking hear you say that shit. I said, what a journey. <laughs> I have some legal news. Oh, let's hear it. Order. Order in the court. Thank you. Uh, so there is a second lawsuit being filed against Ticketmaster over the Eras Tour, the Taylor Swift Tour. Oh, I saw that fans did another lawsuit. Yes, What's fans up with banded one? together. So this one is on the basis, from what I read, that you know Ticketmaster had... I don't know if they guaranteed, officially guaranteed, right? But they did state that the sales of these tickets will not be tampered with by robots and blah, 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 whatever cyberborgs are Robots. out there trying to get trying to get uh, Taylor Swift's tickets. Obviously, that didn't happen. It was a whole shit show, as if you've been listening to our podcast, we'll know. So the fans banded together once again and are now uh, filing a second lawsuit against Ticketmaster for ticket tampering and then also them making empty promises and blah 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 so but uh i i hope i hope it goes through i hope we watch the crumbling of Ticketmaster. also live nation their parent company is lumped into this lawsuit as well but i have more legal news okay jury finds uh tory lane's guilty of shooting oh, megan the stallion that's right uh this was news to nobody if you uh you know kind of yeah. We're paying attention a little bit. So um, he has not been sentenced yet, but he has been found guilty. Uh, so that's good. All charges, too. Yes. Did you hear that? what was alluded? I was going to mention it on Music News last week, but I, I don't think I did. It was alluded that the, his reason, like what the reason was behind him doing that, was that oh, yeah. she was insulting his talent. Yes. Well, actually, that's what I heard the actual reason for the shooting was, was a uh, diss of skill lyrically. Um, but that is all hearsay, but of I course, think a little course. bit of that came out in the trial, but you know, that's all like, uh, in yeah. the gobbledygook of it all. Yeah. Um, they tried to put it on the uh, assistant, Yeah, but, uh, that did not really go through and it was very hard evidence against him that he did the act. Well, so. I believe she said too, that he, he begged her not to call the, he's like, I've already had gun yeah. charges or something like that. Please don't get the law involved. He's like, a Canadian he citizen her. too. Is he? He'll be he'll be deported. Oh, I didn't oh yeah. When he, that he, when he gets Canada. sentenced, he will most likely not serve that time in the U.S. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Jeez. Well, there you have it. Came around full circle. 
So, I, uh, Megan Thee Stallion. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more music news? I've got one more thing to finish it off. So, I don't know if you guys saw, but Metallica performed at their Helping Hands benefit, which I think it's like their fourth time uh, doing it or something like that. But they headlined at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. Greta Van Fleet actually opened up for them. Uh, the highlights of this performance was they covered the song Borderline, the Thin Lizzy song Borderline. I did see that. But they also uh, performed... Oh, what's the new single? Uh, crap. Oh, Lux Eterna. Mm -hmm. They performed that. And I have to say, Lars played pretty well. I don't know. There was a moment where I was skeptical where I'm like, is he? Is there a backing track? I don't... Because the kick was like... Drum triggers. Yeah, man. Triggers. Yeah, everyone yeah. plays a trigger. Every time you hit the one... It you hit, you're hitting eighth notes and it's kicking off sixteenths in between. How do you think oh. De how do you think Def Leppard plays his drums? Yeah, well, right. The De that's the drummer's yeah. name. So he Def could be Leppard. going dun 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 dun. It sounds digga 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 digga. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Which hey, it's still music. Who gives yeah. a shit how it's made? I mean, yeah, I, I just was like, I, I was. Wanna, I will say, I was impressed. I was okay. I was like, I want to like this. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, uh, I would like to celebrate Metallica for during that Thin Lizzy cover. They sang harmony. Yeah, <laughs> in tune. Congratulations, Metallica. And Who's I was the other like, singer, Rob? Fuck yeah. yeah I think, Rob, I think yeah, it was Rob, Rob doing harmony. I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, you guys are actually singing. They harmonies. had another guitar player too up there with them. Another acoustic guitar I didn't player. I see that. But but, um, but I, I saw the clip in like a long form. Yeah, Kirk uh, Hammett sounded all right though. I mean, you know, he does his thing on on guitar. I mean, he it's the crazy thrash metal wah type solo that he's played, you know, for the last thirty years, forty years. But it wasn't, you know, it was overall it was okay. I thought they did good. So yeah. Before we leave, yeah. Uh, Morrissey's beefing with Miley Cyrus. Uh, Morrissey's album. Oh, I did see something about oh, that. Oh, Morrissey's also beefing with Capitol Records, but also who isn't Morrissey beefing with he ever? Uh, yeah, Morrissey. <laughs> Morrissey, you, uh, you fucking suck. Yeah, big, big one I up to you, man. Up. So, uh, <laughs> Morrissey signed with Capitol. Capitol's like, this album, we're not going to release it. And he's like, and uh, there's a track of Miley Cyrus on there. And um, Morrissey has done some outrageous things, to say the least, throughout the years. And uh, now Miley Cyrus is like, hey, man, how about you just take me off that track and like have yourself a good day? And he's all very upset about it. He's posted all over his personal website. And um, you can check it out there. Who gives a shit? That was me. Very much mocking his British accent. As so, you should. Um, one, of, is, one of the one of the most overrated frontmen in, in music history. Uh, I'll I'll double down on that agreement. Uh, Robert Smith all day. Get bent. Get bent. <laughs> Get bent. Well, there's been the music news on that. On <laughs> Listen, that I've, I, I've I've not dropped one ounce of Morrissey hatred on this podcast in like two years. Oh, that was so like bad. the first drop. Yeah. We're dipping in. We're dipping his in. Dipping music, the oh his, his, oh his music sucks. His <laughs> singing sucks. Back. His politics suck. His personality sucks. So, in the, and this it, is coming from a, a pretty big Smiths fan. I let's sync it up Smiths. real quick, though. Hey, Morrissey. There you go. From Get in the Garage. From Get in the Garage with love. Moving ticket, on to too. our next segment. Um, kind of a recurring segment we've been doing, which is the favorite albums of our lifetime. We choose a year and we talk about each of our favorite albums that came out that year. This year's picks are from 2003. Luke, can you set us up what was happening in 2003, a year in which I was 15 years old? I'm going to take you through the timeline. I was 11 turning 12. Uh, Michael, was figure 14. that one out. 
14. Here we go. All right. Following an investigation for uh, child pornography, of all things, UK police found 500 original Beatles studio tapes, including (laughs) most of what was the Let It Be sessions that had been bootlegged for years and years since the 1970s. So I learned that by doing this. That was on January 10th of that year. So we got back like a ton of Beatles tapes that had been illegally circulating, and they found it with the raid of gross things i mentioned before Mm. that i do not want to say again um january 31st big milestone here johnny cash releases his music video for hurt Uh, oh where were you when that shit dropped dust bowl with cockroaches and whatever yeah he's in the johnny cash museum that's like run down amazing um february 8th avril lavigne scores her third number one single with i'm with you uh bring yourself back to a time that's what was going on and uh she was the second artist in history to have three consecutive number one songs off a debut album so that's very interesting i do not know who the first was uh february 20th this is a real bummer um but something that's local to us the station nightclub fire happened Mm. uh in rhode island very sad event yes and that was uh featuring the band great white who was playing um a hundred people passed away uh, rushing the exit when the building caught fire and 160 others were um, injured. It was a very tragic event. Uh, guitar player Ty Longley died of Great White. Um, I know some people who were in that fire. It was uh, a bad deal. Um, one of the worst things, but hopefully we learned some lessons from it and, uh, yeah. you know, that happened. So February 23rd, uh, New York City is the site of the 45th Grammy Awards, and that was the Grammy Awards where Nora Jones came in and won six mm-hmm. awards. So, pretty big hype on that. Also, you guys are going to love this. On February 24th, something amazing happened in our lives. Rob Trujillo joined Metallica oh. during the Some Kind of Monster sessions. Come on. Round of applause, boys. Oh, Bobby Trujillo. Um, also in 2003, this is where we were culturally and politically. The Dixie Chicks were um, on stage in the UK later that month, and they said, and I quote, just so you know, we're ashamed that the president of the United States is from Texas. The group was dropped from radio playlists all around the country. Their career kind of has not recovered since i would say in a strange way even though they have come back um in a lot of ways since then um so that's where we were politically there uh also march 24th uh meteoria by lincoln park debuted at number one on the billboard 200 it's just where we were as people guys (laughs) it's just where we were it's just where we were we were avril lavigne lincoln park this is what we were doing guys april 1st (laughs) Uh, another cultural event is uh, dozens of fans walk out at a Pearl Jam concert for almost the same thing the Dixie Chicks say. Um, and at the end, Eddie Vedder gives this uh, refrain, just to clarify, we support the troops. Uh, so that was a bit of a mixed statement there from them. Um, this is how old 2003 is. April 28th, Apple My launches... Birthday the iTunes Music Store featuring Happy Birthday to me. <laughs> featuring do you know how many, get somebody get somebody songs the store opened with. How many? Five. Two two hundred thousand. Which is Oh wow. Uh, more than you thought, but yeah. a very small amount in less than I have on that iPod sitting up on the shelf. So very interesting. Um more than a million songs are sold in the first week. Um May nineteenth. Wow. 
the former TV channel Much Music is relaunched in the USA as Fuse. Fuse. All you emo kids reunite, metal kids. And that was the only place to see music Fuse. videos by bands like Taking Back Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, on the reg, the used, things like that. I'm sure Hawthorne you, Heights. I remember seeing Hawthorne Heights videos. Yeah. Um, yeah, all those music, Green Day, stuff like anything yeah. that really wasn't getting played on MTV, you could watch on Fuse um, in my heyday of that musical scene. Um, June 22nd, Beyonce drops. Uh, number one solo album, Dangerously in Love, that would go on to earn her five Grammy hits. It goes to number one and sells 11 million copies. Uh, you know, I just want to throw that out there. Michael, this one's for you. July 11th, Rob Halford rejoins uh, Judas Priest. Thank God. And Thank God. Uh, me and Michael. More metal than your mom's kettle, baby. That's it. Me and Michael would see the reunited Judas Priest at different times later. Um, yeah, that was about that. Yeah. Yeah. Big cultural here. This year was crazy. I kept going through and I was like, oh my God, I remember all of this. Madonna sparks media controversy as they're kissing Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. At the VMAs. At the VMAs. Remember yeah, that, guys? I do remember that. And then Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera got in like a beef afterwards over being like, you know, I kissed her better and stuff. All that oh, stuff. Oh, I remember. I do remember right. that too. Right. So right. I just culturally bringing you back, bringing you back. Um, wow. Napster goes, uh, you know, legal and charges ten ninety nine for a streaming service like Spotify. And, they and were, immediately dies. It immediately yeah. dies, even though they had the idea of Spotify way before yeah. anybody, uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Michael Jackson was arrested for doing those things that he did, which was bad. He also released number ones that year. Um, so that was the year. That happened on November 20th. So um, that kind of closed out the musical year. A lot of scandal, a lot of celebrity controversy popular mm. in 2003, way more than the last year I covered, which I think was 1999. We were definitely into like celebrity tear them down. That's oh, yeah. all we did all that year, it seems. Um, the Stooges reunited as a band. I am going to give you your top 10 albums. We have Get Rich, Die Trying by 50 Cent, Come Away With Me by Nora Jones, Stripped by Christina Aguilera. Number four is... Number one's by Michael Jackson. Number five is Meteora by Linkin Park. Six is Dangerously in Love by Beyonce. Seven, Rush of Blood to the Head by Coldplay. Eight was Fallen by Evanescence. Nine, In the Zone by Britney Spears. And ten, Let Go by Avril Lavigne. Do you guys want to know the songs? <laughs> yeah, might Hit as well. Me. Okay, here are your top ten songs of 2003. In the Club, 50 Cent. Ignition by the man I'm not going to say. Get Busy by Sean Paul. Remember, Get Busy, <laughs> oh, man? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Dum, 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 dum. Oh, God, crazy. All right, and then speaking of crazy, Crazy in Love, Beyonce <laughs> and Jay-Z, When I'm Gone, Three Doors Down, uh, oh, Unwell man. by Matchbox 20. This was 2003, huh? Uh, right Turn by Chingy. Oh, Right There. That's, oh, oh my God, Right There by Chingy. Sorry. Couldn't get that right. Uh, Miss You by Aaliyah. Pitcher by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Get lo Oh, and that's it. Bring Me to Life by Evanescence is the... Uh, Number 10. Yep. Nice. So crazy. What a year it was, wasn't Dude, it? 2003. What a year. This one I really lived through. <laughs> so year. like going through this, all this stuff was uh, a major. Like what the heck? Yeah. That's so funny. All right. Well, why don't we get cracking into the albums, guys? Brrr, Jeffrey, would you like to lead us off with your album yeah. of 2003? Okay. So I was looking at the albums from 2003 that I really love. I was going to get cute with it. I was going to name an album by Bell and Sebastian called Dear Catastrophe Waitress, which is an excellent album. 
but it kept coming back to my heart, and my heart says it is "Get Rich or Die Trying" by oh, Fifty Cent. Oh yeah. Um, it's it was that was one of the two CDs I played the most while learning how to drive in my mom's minivan. Um, yeah, it was culturally culturally so big. It sold so many copies. It was everywhere. Um, and when I think of 2003, it's just, it's the one I come back to. Yeah. yeah. Well, to piggyback off of that, I'm going to go with you as well, Jeff. Nice. I'm also nice. going to say get Richard out yeah. trying if you haven't seen my screen already. Yep. I agree with you. It, I mean, it's that same thing where this was the soundtrack of a party that I went to that I lo- looked around and went, we are all too young for this party to be happening. Mm. And what was playing in the background? Get Richard Die trying. <laughs> Even at what I was, what eleven turning twelve, I was spitting you Fifty Cent versus today, yeah, and Eminem versus from this album that I have not listened to in so long. I think right. we listened to it for the podcast maybe like last year, yes. but um, to it is such a it was such a groundbreaking record. Like it came out, it was like Eminem's guy, like you said. It yeah. was like, um, I remember people being like do you have the edited walmart cd at the time (laughs) because like some people had the edited one some people didn't and then you would burn the unedited one for your friends and they'd stick it in their you know what i mean oh yeah it was no heat on that edited version because heat's entire um drums are really clicking of guns (laughs) 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 so it just wasn't even on the edited version which is so insane it's um let's name some of the huge songs of the of this record uh i was singing them to mike i mean Uh, in the club p-i-m-p p-i-m-p 21 questions what up gangsta uh many men wangsta was big wangsta yeah patiently waiting so every song in this record was a really big song back down the jaw ruled this yeah yeah don't push me with lloyd banks and eminem it was a big it was a big uh it was a big album man it was yeah. the soundtrack to that year for me 100 percent. and uh is eminem the producer on this record as he, well a couple songs a couple songs okay yeah. so it's got it's and like he had dre as dre. well okay multiple producer oh yeah, yeah. um yeah here is the question I have for you, Jeff. Why the Bella and Sebastian record? I, that's what I was more curious to me because that seems right. like a pick. Like I wouldn't seem like you would be, ever be into, but you said oh, it. So yeah. I was like, oh yeah, because like there's a lot of emo-y, acoustic-y things happening at this time that are super right. interesting. So that Bell and Sebastian album, um, it has a song called Piazza New York Catcher, which was on the Juno soundtrack, which... I think came out in 2007. So when I heard that, when I saw that movie, heard that soundtrack, I was like, oh, I like this band more than some of the other like mumbly acoustic stuff on the soundtrack. So I hunted down the album and the album is like, there's like two or three acoustic-y type of songs, but that whole album is more like chamber pop, like very Beach Boys-y, very like three-bar harmony, lots of like these little like hooks and little like musical candy all over. It's produced by Trevor Horn, who was, um, he produced all of Seal's music in the 90s. He was the guy behind the Buggles who did Video Killed the Radio Star. Mm. He was like just a mastermind producer. So like the album, it's like, I think a six piece band that did kind of orchestral twee indie pop music. And that album production wise and sound wise is just like to the extreme. Mm. Um, I highly recommend it, dear catastrophe waitress. Um, but yeah, it was gonna be my pick, but just I have to go with the one that I hear you, man, because like it's the one yeah. of like because I my pick is 
I wanted to pick like the one like the more like a more mature record mm. I like now, but the one I I'm like oh my god, of course it's that record. So let me uh, think. 2003. Oh, I have it. It's right here on the floor, man. So is it, it transatlanticism? Nope. No. Nope. It is. It was on the short list though. Uh, okay. So my sister uh, had a boyfriend, and that boyfriend left this CD at the house and said, "I don't like this." And <laughs> Um, this CD was so jarring to me, um, when I first heard it and I really fell in love with this band afterwards. This is Alkaline Trio's Good Morning, released in 2003. This probably was left at our house not that long afterwards. Um, I just want to give you the chorus of the first song is, uh, step one, slip my throat. Step two, drain my blood. Step three, cover me in dirty sheets and run laughing out of the house. Is this Papa Roach? <laughs> so um, that was like the first, and they okay. were singing it so happily, and it yeah. really, the cover is so it looks striking. Like, it looks like craft work. Right. The cover is so striking, and it has the three crosses on the back. Um I'm not gonna lie. When I first heard this, at like yeah. what age I was then, it scared the shit out of me. I did not realize like it was like, you know, graveyard humor, and there were it was all like really dark mm. jokes. Um, but I was like, oh my god, like who would sing about these things? Mm. Um, there's also a line in that song about uh, shitting the bed and laying in it. So that's also a really like <laughs> disgusting thing that they sing about happily. Luke um, doesn't stop shitting the bed. <laughs> please tell me it's spelled morning. M O U. Oh, you fucking think it's uh. not? Of course it is. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> so oh, this is uh, this is the if I'm gonna shout out an Alkaline Trio album, yeah. that's the one. This is their second release on Vagrant Records um, after they got oh, signed. And um, it's their big record. It's beautiful pop production. Um, Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks guests on the song We've Had Enough and screams awesomely in the background. Uh, I don't think they made a better record. And also you get your like emo uh, curmudgeons at the end with uh, Blue in the Face, which is like the one of my favorite send-off acoustic tracks to like an like a rock emo album and then they end it with like an acoustic sad song never done better than on this record mm. so uh mm. that's what i had to go with because like in my heart there were other records oh but there was gosh. only only ones inscribed on my body one <laughs> inscribed on my body so i had to go with it because i was like yes on paper i might maturely like death cab for qd's transatlanticism mm. way more because it's a really fantastic album. Like I was, as soon as I saw it on the list, I was like, "Oh my god, that record's so good!" And I started listening to that mm. record. But, uh, you know, guys, pff, gotta, go with, trio. Trio. gotta go yeah. with the trio. Gotta go with the any, trio. Any other honorable mentions on anybody else's list? I, I also considered um, the Black Album by Jay Z, which was his supposedly retirement album. I also considered uh, Deja Entendu, which is by Brand New, Brand New second album, which is like in my opinion, a high watermark in the early 2000s emo movement. Oh, yeah, that record is uh, listened heavily by my significant yeah. other upstairs. Yeah, yeah. It's in the uh, record collection. Uh, high watermark for, like, the that emo rock thing yeah. going on in 2003 because, like we said, Transatlanticism came out that year. Yeah. The postal That's death, death Cab for Cutie. Yep. Um, the Postal Services Give, oh, Up, Give Up came, came out, out the oh. same year, which is Ben Gibbard from Death Cab yeah. for Cutie um, featuring, oh, I'm never going to remember who it is, uh, Jenny Lewis, I think. I don't know who the producer I think, is. I think Jenny Lewis is the other featured singer on that record. It's the producer than, who did NSYNC's Pop, I believe. Is it really? Yeah, that song. Uh, a record so. of my childhood. Look it up, Alex. I, I listened to the Postal Services give up so yeah. many times in that era. Um, 
I also wanted to shout out It Still Moves by My Morning Jacket, um, a record I didn't listen to at the time, but definitely listened to when I was like in high school. Um, The Ugly Organ by Cursive, one of the best emo albums of all time, Uh, has a cello player, amazing great record also wanted to shout out the darkness's permission that was all i was gonna say that That was in that was in my top five too i fucking love permission to land by the darkness we had that album when it came out in my house my sister what's the best song what's your favorite song i should say giving up giving up up. i like love on the rocks with no ice (laughs) (laughs) i also love um you're really growing on me. Yeah. Also, fun fact about that: that was released, I can play that on guitar. That's the only song. I can that play. was released July seventh of two thousand three. Oh, your My birth- birthday. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Alex. What's the name of the producer on on the postal service? Brian Tranzo. What's his? Oh, BT. BT. Yes. There you yeah, go. BT, yeah, yeah, he produced Pop by Insick. Also, yeah. guys, yep. Blink One Eighty Two's self titled came out in that year, <laughs> and that changed everybody's <laughs> fucking life. Um, Feeling this, dude. Feeling this didn't and affect my life you. one percent. Let me tell you, as oh, like a seventh, you, eighth, a seventh, eighth grader, that album dropping like was fucking blew and everybody's mind. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. saying, man. Everybody was like that album changed everyone's personality after that yeah. shit came out. Uh, I, I got a couple. Uh, <laughs> Luke, you know, the darkness, all that. Um, but the Mars Volta, DeLouse in the Comatorium came out yeah, in 2003. Yeah. That's a great uh, that's a great record. And then the White Stripes, Elephant, oh, yeah. also came out. The Strokes, Room on Fire, also came out that year. There was a... Uh, oh, second album, yeah. There was a... Uh, yeah, there Black was... Keys. What's that? Black Keys, Thick Freakness. Oh, Thick Freakness was 2003. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. So that Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's record, too, Fever to Tell, that was 2003. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was an interesting year. David Bowie released Reality, so bad, it was, bad it was album. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Sorry, like David Bowie. Bad he wasn't sorry, a reality fan. Yeah. So there you have it. That was 2003. 2003. What are nutshell. your favorite albums from 2003? Yeah, let us know. Um, you guys definitely. We we had some very flavored picks here. We went from the darkness to Alkaline Trio to 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. Hey, man. Childhood favorites, man. It, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. I just remember Dude, Eblins. You know what I remember? <laughs> just like, Mike you know? and Eblins. Dude, you know what I remember? I remember many men wishing death upon me <laughs> as a 11-year-old. You're like, I'm from Griswold. Look at my dog and I can't see. You're like, sing, sing at 50. Many men. Dude, I was right walking around like a bar. I was like, <laughs> like around, I don't yeah. even know what the fuck he's talking There's about. There's a cow over there and he's just like, what a bitch. <laughs> There's literally a field across the street from my house that's like vacant and empty with corn. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, many men. Many men. Hey man, it's hard out here in the streets of <laughs> streets of Griswold. Uh, Juicy titty. Thank you for uh, rolling back time with us and experiencing what was 2003. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll be right back then. Let's take a break and uh, two and two, two and two. We'll be right back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hofner Guitars. I have here the Hofner Shorty. It is a full scale travel size guitar. You can find this and all of their products at HofnerGuitars.com. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh. Good job. I was surprised I did that. (laughs) That sounded good. That was great. We could almost be the Beach Boys. Uh, Well, here we go (laughs) (laughs) because we're about to go to the beach. Um, We're going to kick it off with 
three oh, albums year. that are celebrating their 50th anniversary. We have the Beach Boys Holland we're going to do first. Then we're going to do Greetings from Asbury Park by Bruce Springsteen. And then we're going to do Aerosmith Self-Titled. Yes, so the we're going to kick Boys. it off with the Beach Boys. Tell us Luke's. about Holland, Luke. Uh, Take us to the Dutch. <laughs> Holland is the 19th studio album released by the Beach Boys. I'm not sure if, like, if that's really including like comps, but it might just be like straight-up albums by that point. Um, so this is the Beach Boys in their 70s incarnation. Brian Wilson is not really heading the band on any level at all, but he is participating slightly when he feels like it, which is not much at all. Um, this album was <laughs> recorded in the country of Holland, which was a break from the Beach Boys, who usually recorded in, you guessed it, sunny California. So this was a big move for them. The idea was that they were going to move there permanently and base themselves there for like the rest of forever, but that didn't really plan out. They stayed there for a couple months, recorded what was the base of Holland. They had to make a makeshift studio. There was a lot of trouble, and things didn't really turn out the way they wanted it to. They went back to L.A. to finish the rest of the record, um, and this is what we got. You have the standout track, Sail Out Sailor, starting the record, and then we have some uh, weird Beach Boys-ness you know, ensuing from there. Also, to be of noted... This is the Beach Boys lineup with Ricky Fader on drums and Blondie Chapman on guitar. Uh, Dennis is participating, but only as a songwriter singer on these uh, on this record. So it's a very interesting version of the band, and that version of the band does not exist after this record. So there's only right. two records with that version of the band, yeah. and then um, never again. So yeah, it's an interesting album. I like "Sail on Sailor." I love that song. Uh, the th it gets a little bit weird there in the middle with the California saga, the beaks of eagles, and all that. Uh, but I like this record. I think the it's fun. It's cool. In her nest. I like I like all the weird, quirky sort of sound effects that you get in there, especially funky, pretty. The like we get those key sounds like wow, 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 a lot like of that stuff. Cool synth bass going on on this record. Yeah, I also too. am a big fan of funky pretty. Um, that was one of the songs that Brian Wilson that's actually the, yeah, that's had the involvement Wilson. in. Um, and one of my favorite songs of the later day Beach Boys. Um, it's just so weird. Uh, the horoscope lyrics are like of the of late. They're not even of the time because. No. They're out of date by the yeah. time he's singing them, but it's <laughs> yeah. such a weird f song, and it is actually kind of funky, um, except the bridge when it goes like, funky, 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 pretty, 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 <laughs> funky. It's so An insane. An army of didgeridoos. <laughs> um, the vocals going up, it's just so out there. If you, this is also to note, like if you only know the Beach Boys of like fun, 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 um, good vibrations, this is so out there from what you know. This is like a '70s soft rock, like kind of outing for the band that I don't think a lot of people have even experienced from the Beach Boys. So, mm. also a strange thing to note at that of how strange of a record this is for a band that most most people haven't heard this record. You know. Right. So very I hadn't heard this until this week. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've heard Sail on Sailor, though. S yes, like I've that heard song. that one song, but that was the only song I'd ever heard off of this record. Um, this album sounds to me like the band, like the group The Band, mm. 
doing the Beach Boys. Like it's very, <laughs> I don't know, it's very strange. Um, <laughs> I I did like the songs Leaving This Town, which has like a minute and a half long Moog synthesizer solo in the second half. Um, I like the song Only With You, which is a Dennis song with Carl and vocals. Um, I think I like that song a lot uh, more than the others because I like Dennis's solo stuff, which was late seventies. So Pacific ocean blue, yep. right? That's the name of the album. Um, it reminded me of that type of song. Um, but yeah, overall this album was just very, it was like woozy barbershop harmony, mm. like weirdness. And I, I wasn't a big fan. Um, but there are, I, th- I think it's what nine tracks. Um, and I liked like four or five of them. Um, I like Sail on Sailor. Yeah. Uh, there is an added EP that like kind of came with this album, which is like a 12 minute song suite about like a Pied Piper stuck in a magic radio. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> which was I listened to as well, and I kind of I kind of liked more than the regular album. <laughs> um, that that That's was Brian, called right? Yeah, That's Brian. The, they were like, yeah. Brian was like, I want to do this fairy tale song, and they were like, What are you Not talking about? Yeah. And the, the, he was like, I did it. And they were like, okay, it can go on the seven inch. Like, yeah. it's not on the album. So they threw it on as it's like called a bonus. Mount Vernon and Fairway. Yes. And it like features their, at the time, manager. Jack like, Riley. Narrating this tale. <laughs> um, you call it that. But yeah, the regular album, I just like, I'm not, this is not music that I enjoy. But yeah. there's there's some decent stuff in it. Man, what? this is my cup of tea like, <laughs> all day long. This is like 70s, smoggy, keyboardy, yeah. mixed with my favorite things is Beach Boys Harmony. Right. When So yeah. let me just ask you then, because you would know better than I would, what Brian Wilson's involvement, right? Is this compl- like this is out? Like he's not even like thought about. He, of, like what pres- year did that happen? So basically, what year did he re- like, like drop? Like really like drop out? Drop out. I would yeah. I would say like even before that. I would probably, say like sixty eight yeah. is really, like, really early, like huh? the last kind of involvement yeah. of like real involvement because he only co-wrote like two or three of these songs. So yeah, and yeah. the main thing is co-wrote. And yeah. the other thing to of note too is you're right in saying that this is the, these are the boys, these are the Beach Boys on their own. This is not a Brian Wilson album. This is not Brian Wilson and his puppets. These are this is <laughs> the what the rest of the dudes. Yeah. This is Carl what the, Yeah, what they it, actually yeah. did, what they actually sounded like as musicians. They're actually playing on the record. Right. So this is the Beach Boys as an actual band of what the what who they really were. Um, and like you said, like there's great Dennis stuff on here. Steamboat is one of Dennis's best songs. It's track two. It is yeah. like a weird. It's like Yellow he, Submarine on Downers. It's exactly <laughs> what that song is. But it's one of like it's such a, like a. But that's it was. It, that's the Beach Boys, yeah, the yeah. Yellow Submarine on Downers, yeah. and it's just so like sad ugh. submarine. Um, and then. Yeah. The big like crazy thing on this album, like let's talk up in depth about the song it. Sweet. It's the song sweet. So the song sour. There's California <laughs> saga, which is really the contribution of Mike Love, uh lead singer, if <laughs> <Boo>. you will. <laughs> Boo. Boo this man. <laughs> yes, please. And um Al Jardine, uh guitar yeah. player. So Al Jardine uh and him pretty much put together this California saga where you start at like Big Sur and you go to like the mountains of, you know, where the, the redwood e- forests. Forest. <laughs> yes, where the redwood <laughs> forests are. Um 
could you please, Michael, if you have those, do you don't? Oh, I have them right here. Please uh, up. give us a snippet Eagle of scattered from. <laughs> this is from the beaks of eagles. A uh, piece in the Part song two. "Sweet." An eagle's nest on the head of an old redwood, on one of the precipice-footed ridges, above Ventana Creek, that jagged country which nothing but a fallen meteor will ever plow. No horseman will ever ride there. No hunter cross this ridge, but the winged ones know. The winged ones. Sorry. The, wing, no. the winged ones. Oh, winged ones. Sorry. <laughs> <As> he, <laughs> but but the winged ones know. One will. These are written really weird. One will steal. <laughs> they didn't one, write this. This is No one will steal the eggs is from it? this fortress. <laughs> Fortress, yeah, that's Wait, not forest. Nobody's playing the recorder under this. It the she eagle is old. Her mate was shot long ago. She is now mated with, with her a son. son of hers. Yeah. Oh, this got really Freudian. <laughs> Good God! Dude, don't, don't, play me that Beach Boys song God. with eagle incest. <laughs> you know what? Can I also say this though? I'm just like, how many songs about California are these people gonna write? Not enough. Oh my God! Um, so many songs. I'm like, we get it. You're from California. So the California saga is a bit hit or miss for some people. I like how weird it is. It is weird. It's not my favorite thing the Beach Boys done. Uh, you have to have a soft spot for Brian the Beach Wilson Boys. Didn't write these lyrics. I would wow. say not. Um, but you know, like we said. Oh, also the shout out to uh, Carl Wilson's "The Traitor." If you're into that kind of thing, is like probably his signature song that he wrote with the Beach Boys. Um, About African colonialism. Absolutely. <laughs> Check out the live version on um, the Beach Boys live album from this that. era. Yeah. It is much better than the recorded version, I think, but um, great guitar solo on the Trader. For also oh, from yeah, the slide guitar stuff. Is really, yeah. really good to check out, and that's also yeah. Carl Wilson playing that, yeah. so right. please check that out. It's, uh, I think, his magnum opus of like his career yep. as a songwriter. So that is the Beach Boys holland there you go also happy anniversary before before they would never make another album of like progression ever again after this album is released the beach boys return to a oldies act releasing 15 big ones and never release another forward-facing music album i think ever again so that is also of so big note. turning point Huge no, you said like point. the 18th or 19th album that that was only like 10 or 11 years into their career, right? Isn't right. that crazy to think about that? Uh, shout out to the Beach Boys, love you, but they were all uh, they were all 30 and younger too. 19th, crazy. All right, well, moving on, moving on, Jeffrey to the like debut to... album by the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen, New Jersey's finest. The album's called Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. With the excellent uh, postcard uh, album cover. This is a debut album that was recorded at like very budget recording studios, like in the dead of night um, over a period of time. It's not the full E Street band because Bruce Springsteen was just getting his music off the ground after playing in bar bands all over Asbury Park area. Um, this album does feature. A couple members who would go on to stay with him his entire career, like bassist Gary Talent, um, David Sanchez, who was on maybe the first three albums. Um, yeah, that's about Clarence it. Clarence Clemens on? Oh, yeah, and Clarence Clemens is on this album as well. Yes. Yeah. The big man. 
Um, this album is known for its first song, not really the Bruce Springsteen version, but the Manfred Mann's Earth Band version of Blinded by the Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes? This is my first listen. Uh, yep. Uh, what is the Bruce Springsteen lyric? It's not uh, revved up like a deuce. Rev, uh, no, split loose like a deuce is the Bruce Springsteen sure. lyric. Split loose like a deuce, not revved up like a deuce, like the Manfred Mann version. Or so, the Manfred Mann, which sounds like revved up like a douche. It definitely sounds like douche, and oh, it definitely it does like not sound like that at no. all in any aspect on no. this record. Please continue. Um, so Bruce Springsteen, uh, maybe twenty three ish at the time, um, sounding like an emo-ish Motown-influenced Bob Dylan. Mm. Um, There's a lot of cool R&B stuff on this album. There's a lot of cool singer-songwriting stuff on this album. He kind of sounds Bruce Springsteen from the very beginning. Um, This is the most ragged of his recordings because it was done very piecemeal, very cheaply, um, with only really like a four-piece band. Uh, But it's still a really good album. Still uh, very solid and just like shows what's to come in a 50 year career of like, I don't know, at this point, like 27 more albums or something. It's something crazy. Um, but yeah, great album. I Great debut. I was conflicted by listening to this album, but also this is coming from a not huge Bruce Springsteen fan. I ended up really loving the um, rock flavored numbers the ones that had backing band blinded by the light i really liked um and the last two songs especially uh spirit in the night and it's hard to be a saint in the city those songs like really like shot out to me i was like oh yeah i really like these and um i was getting the bruce springsteen kind of flavor um but like mary queen of arkansas i could just couldn't like super get into that oh one. that's my favorite song that it album. was just so yeah. w- can you explain like what what's the what's like the draw to it for me because for me i'm like mm. for me i think i'm just too much of like a um like dylan guy for me yeah. to be like i don't know if i want to even get into like what your lyrics are about on this acoustic song mm. but like i think that's like my thing but i don't know because it was a little that one was a little rough for me yeah i like that song because that being the this being his debut album, that is a song that like the first two songs, "By and By the Light," pop, very radio friendly hit. Growing up, um, it kind of like his later song, "Glory Days." Like it's very you know teenage whatever. And then "Mary uh, Queen of Arkansas" is like that very um, wordy small town storytelling thing about the you know, the deadbeats and the people with the lost dreams and all that kind of stuff. And I just think like the fact that he did that on his debut album, it's so um, fully formed. That's why I like the song because he would go on to do a career of those type of songs. And that's like his bread and butter. And the fact that he was able to do that um, right from the jump is why I like that song. I think it's like, um, I don't know. It's just like, it's the most soulful when he is doing that, like, the anthems of the downtrodden and like the stories of the people who have been losers. Like, I think that's when he shines the brightest. So I'm glad you spoke to it in such light because like, for me, I was like trying to get in there and then you just said it like, so like what your flavor for it mm. was. And I really, uh, I really enjoyed that. Cause it was like, that was one of like the ones I was like, Oh, I don't know. But having you like said like, mm. that's kind of what I'm like, Oh, I kind of see where he's coming from a little bit yeah. because before I'm like, 
I don't think this dude ever been to Arkansas. Like, <laughs> like, like that's what that's what I'm like thinking. Like this yeah. Jersey rat never been to Arkansas. This first yeah. record. Well, and some some background. Like, um, I'm not the world's biggest Bruce Springsteen fan, but I I do enjoy the run of. Let's. I'm. I'm not going to look it up, but I think it's like the first seven albums, and it kind of for me it peaks with Born to Run and The River. Um, but it's like everything from the debut kind of like grows, gets a little better, 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 and then through Nebraska and Born in the USA is like really like the period I listen to. Um, but like I, I don't know. Like peak Bruce Springsteen just is really good for me. Like I just, I always talk about how much I appreciate that decade of stuff um and the fact that he is like he's a white dude from like outside of new york city from new jersey but he was like part of the whole he was in the mix during the civil rights movement when he's like a broke white kid on the wrong side of the tracks mixing up with black kids who are getting bust into schools and getting beaten up and like all this tension down there in, in ashbury park and uh i don't know i just think like so his his Motown style stuff, his soul type of stuff, having black band members, all those things, that nice American mix melting pot thing that he does, I just think really works really well. It's that folk, it's that Americana, it's that kind of rootsy rock country-ish type stuff with the soul and R&B flavors. Um, Spirit in the Night, like, too, on, right, the, that's on another, this record, that's, is the, yeah, for me, Motown, the yeah. highlight of everything yeah. you're saying because it brings that all together in yeah. such a beautiful way and also shout out to a white dude to sing a song called spirit in the night when ray charles wrote one called spirit in the dark yeah. which is like to do a flavor on that it's like whew, so good so mm. masterful really great take on your own way mm. yeah jeff to your point um uh bruce springsteen won the or not one was awarded the presidential medal of freedom oh yeah in 2016 yeah. from Barack, Barack Obama. Obama. yeah right yeah um yeah so just like a very uh just an American icon, and I think a very solid debut. Not his best, but you know, it's for a debut album. I think it's it's really uh, has a lot of heart and a lot of honesty and a lot of truth and a lot of like he. It's not like he's trying to make it as a big stadium millionaire, forty fifty year career dude. You're right. He's more just like I'm getting the cats I play with every weekend at the bars. We just want to like put out a good make some good records right and the, yeah. that is definitely the vibe you get from it there's not like big stardom like dreams on mm. this record that he like sings about like rough kids like wanting to make it but like not in that kind of way and you're right this is an interesting record i also was like talking to mike too at the time uh bobby dylan i think was like flirting with asylum records mm. at the time and i think columbia saw a uh really young hopeful and was kind of rivaling their own artists to you know and that was also an interesting thing i was talking to mike about like at the time yeah he was you know his own thing and he he took that all that bob dylan uh criticism and i think really shook it off and made himself his own man and like because that was the shake off on this first record was mm. like oh he's dylan but it's not that and it grew into a lot more oh, this was not this wasn't successful no and then not at all and then wildness and east street shuffle was not successful and they were like listen bud like we're gonna give you very little money and he went in and he spent like a year and a half 20 hours a day working on board to run and then born to run blew up but yeah he was like just 
just getting by, like yeah. probably broke as shit. Like there's a reason where he like ripped up dirty white t-shirts for five years because <laughs> that's like how he was really living. It wasn't a look. Yeah. Yeah. In the, the, uh, yeah. Interesting too. This album is an album that did not break when it was first released, but broke way later when yeah. Born to Run came out yeah. in the mid seventies. And then again, probably charted mm-hmm. in the later seventies at that. So very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Give him a chance, good man. He's he's it good. First charted in the UK in 1985 after Born to Run came out. So that's how, you know yeah. just for a you know interesting tidbit there. Yeah, yeah. So. Right on. Moving so, on. To moving the third on. In final to we the third have... and final, we've got the self-titled Aerosmith record featuring Dream On, the big hit on that record. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how. You know, most bands went to Los Angeles to chase the dream. Aerosmith did not do that. They stayed on the East Coast and lived in pretty much just abject poverty and tried to chase their dream here on the East Coast. Uh, uh, Mind you, at the time, Steven Tyler was, because this is also the formation of the band too, so Steven Tyler was in a different band. He was doing backup vocals and playing drums, actually, which I didn't realize that Steven Tyler is an accomplished drummer as well as a pianist. And uh, <laughs> and uh, harp harmonica, harmonica player, talking yeah, on a bobo. On a bobo. That's respect um, for bobo. I love this album, man. I love this album. I'm a first albums guy. You know, most of the most of the bands that I listen to and that I love their first albums. This is no exception for me. I love this record. Oh, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Microphone drop. But um, yeah, you love first albums, and this is this is a quintessential first album for me, man. Because here's the thing: is like. Aerosmith to me is it they're they're the Amer- they're an American rock band. I feel like they're the American Led Zeppelin, you know, but they dropped any sort of any sort of well they dropped any sort of like the folk because you know zeppelin will do a little bit of the folky influence you know john paul jones would pick up a mandolin or something like that you know there was a bit of that sort of push aerosmith was more stripped down obviously they would go on to have more of a you know of a pop success style career doing songs for armageddon you know everybody knows that song don't want to miss a thing and so on but this is really them in their infancy, man, and I and I and I like it. Uh, it's not for everyone. The flavor of the album, it's you know, it's rough. It sounds kind of like a demo. Oh, There's see, moments. I'm I'm into it's it. It's rough. I, I think the sound of this record. This was recorded at Intermedium in Boston. So, like you said, outside the industry, this to me is a like relic of what this band is, and I think it's special for that reason. So, yeah. like you said, East Coast band bar band right uh, original songs a lot of bands that were on the east coast did not get to record in recording studios because all the recording studios are on the west coast the big studios things like that so even a lot of smaller bands probably had better you know it wasn't the brill buildings wasn't new york city so if you were in boston a lot of the things probably didn't get documented um right in their time so Having this bar band record that the, this band just wrote these original songs, they put them together. They've been working on them for like two or three years, incubating, and this is the the bam. It's not a stylish sounding record, but it sounds like what that band would sound like any night in a bar or in a room with you know no people. It's really dry, but right. I think the songs are a plus. Aerosmith hard rock songs. I can't think of like another hard rock album of this era 
that I listen to and enjoy like the original songs more. Also to that note, yeah. Aerosmith play a lot of these songs live still uh, even like to the on their last tour yeah like you said um let's just throw a couple out there dream on the big song in this album yeah um, which did not really make it big until, until 1975 right so not a big hit of originally of this album but later when re-released as a single yes and i do know that columbia records in a push to push the single further what they did was because there were two versions of it there was the radio edit which was like three minutes and so on uh, and then there was the regular version, which is, hold on, I can actually get it for you now, four, four minutes minute. and 28 seconds. Thank you. So, you know, what they ended up doing was they pushed Dream On onto pop charts instead of, like, just being on rock charts. And I th- believe what they did was the pop charts had the radio edit, the rock charts had the album version, and that's really what catapulted that into, you know, in, into fame. The screaming at the end. Also, right. Also to note on this song, too, is the band didn't really champion the song until the second re-release of the single because they didn't really want this released as the single. As Steven Tyler rightly knew of its hit potential, the rest of the band was like, I don't like this song. This is our weakest song. It's the Mm -hmm. only downer on the album. Yeah, because it's it's more of the ballad. ballad. They couldn't see past Aerosmith's hard rock. Yeah, well, to be fair, Joe Perry and I think... um... Oh my goodness! Oh, give me what does he play? I can tell you. Uh, okay, drummer. Uh, Joey Kramer. Joey, Joey Kramer, Kramer. Thank you. That's what I was. I meant to say. So I think that I think that those two were actually in the the Joe Perry. Uh, what was it called? The Jam. Joe Perry Jam or Joe Perry Experiment or whatever oh, the heck it was. Oh, The the band before this. The band before this. Yeah. Yes. But that's what they were. They were like sort of a jammy, bluesy band and stuff. You know what I mean? So I think maybe that's why they were like, well, no, we have to. Yeah, they, we got to stick to the blues, like the hard blues thing or whatever. And Steven Tyler came in and he's like, well, look, I wrote this song on piano. Why don't we try that? You know, right. So I could see why they would be doing some pushback because they're trying to create this image. But this, I think, Dream On only amplified their capable. You know, it was it's showing like, well, we can actually write. It shows later that they would do. I uh, don't want to miss a thing is obviously yeah. bore out of everything Dream On is. Um uh, play live till the end of the career Mamakin the uh, B-side opener great song great lyrics I think it's some of the best lyrics Aerosmith wrote Um, it's like a whole the vibe smoking tea uh, you know your mom wants to know where you've been kind of thing the rip off brown sugar saxophone guitar solo uh, during the break beautiful Um, like really just giving you like the yeah like the stones are cool, but like this is like way f- more rocking than yeah. like that can be. Um, and you know, shout out to the R and B flavor at the end with the Rufus Thomas cover of "Walking the, Walk the Dog" that they just like assault with guitars. The down 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 down. Um, pretty cool, man. I am I'm a not big, a big fan. I know you're not, Jeffrey. Why are you not really a big fan though? Um, Steven Tyler just doesn't sound like Steven Tyler at all. Like his voice sounds like, like, yeah, I, just husky. And I can like, give you a quote. He said he was very so. The recording of this record was a very stressful, yeah. bad experience for them. And he said that he was trying to emulate Kermit the Frog. <laughs> sounds like it. I was like, what? Yeah. What? That's. I think that's like such a... that's him taking the piss so that nobody can say it sounded bad if he yeah. says it. It was on purpose. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just vocally like. 
the calling card of Aerosmith is that like acrobatic, very loose, free kind of like can go into screamy stuff at any time. And he doesn't do that at all on this album. Even Dream On, like he goes into those screams at the end, but it's not like in the middle of phrases, like how he he would yeah. do that like David Lee Roth type of thing later right, in his right. career. Um, and yeah, it just has that like it has that very um, uh, like low production cost kind of probably quickly made demo ish like sound fidelity um but it's it sounds like a band that like you said was playing probably five nights a week at 200 person rooms all over the east coast like just grinding it out and so hey it is what it is like yeah yeah i would also of note if you are a fan check out any radio broadcast they did in like 73 74 they play all these songs and the tightness and ferocity that they are playing with is not on this album mm. to be found on their live show at the time. And there's plenty of like live radio broadcasts from like 73, 74. Mm. You can check out on YouTube. The band is so hot and way more fiery than this record, I think, gives them credit for. So, yeah, you know, yeah, because you played me some of that stuff and it's like oof. it is on fire. It yeah, is like a band really, playing really on like all, firing on all gears. This band's like firing on like a a four or five mm. like on this record and they, they were had way more capability so yeah this was also a first time listen for me too really yeah yeah because I've, I've always like i've listened to two tracks and then i go ah, this isn't aerosmith like i like i like aerosmith like maximalist like yeah right, you know with right. the with the horn section all that shit like the stuff from the late 80s early 90s yeah you know? i'm yeah. i'm so the Where opposite it's clean and big and like i'm an, so many layers and i'm an aerosmith yeah. minimalist the more they like add production i'm like mm. Mm -mm. the less that is on there i'm like yes i like crying and crazy and amazing and i'm a yeah. first ragdoll those are the songs i like first three records yeah. guy for yeah me. see that's i kind of fall into that category too because because that was my experience right yeah, it's yeah. you i mean everybody had that armageddon soundtrack you know yeah. everybody had that you also know? big note here third album breaks by both bands here uh aerosmith's third album toys, toys in, in the, the attic, attic yeah. break uh and before that the uh get your wings in the self-titled these albums did yeah, not lopped. sell anything right. lopped, yeah. same with bruce springsteen right. third album born to run yeah. and it's interesting to note as well that both of these bands were signed to columbia records around the same time and yeah. released both of these records in the same month from the same record same label yeah, yeah same week so same these week. are both yeah. brand new artists that both got signed to columbia records and they both were legacy artists that's amazing that's yes. crazy and they, and they both flopped it's and a, they both yeah. flopped on their first record yeah very still rocking cool. still selling out stadiums yeah man exactly well uh, get get better steven tyler we really wish you uh all the speedy best in your life yeah yeah he's we want to see we want we said speedy best not the best speed steven right please <laughs> we mean it we know you're watching so uh so yeah it's just uh you know i love this record so I, us, this was enjoyable. Yeah. I, I, I like doing it. It was 50 years old. All 50. of these are 50 years old. Remember like a couple years ago when like all like the 60s records yeah. turned like 50 and like we were all like, yeah, that seems about right. But yeah. like the Aerosmith, this Aerosmith album is 50 and I'm like, that seems weird. And also all the 70s bands that are now turning 50 are not celebrating nearly in the same way that all the other bands were. Like mm. there's no deluxe reissue of this. There's no deluxe reissue of that coming out. Um, so maybe the seventies birthdays are a little more frowned upon. Sixties were a little more celebrated. Yeah. Well, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
Anyway, what do you guys think? Do you like those albums? Did we maybe miss the mark? Do you th- can you think of albums that are turning 50 this January that you uh, might like to throw out there? Let us know in the comments below. Maybe we can talk about them. Anyway. This has been from the uh, Eagle's Beak. The Eagle's Beak? <laughs> oh, the the Eagle the also wants you to remember the mountain. to like and comment Soaring and subscribe to the, <laughs> to the podcast. And any talking things that you'd like to hear us talk about, let us know. Drop it in the comments. Any subjects, any albums you want us to cover, anything like that. We are always open uh, to covering topics that you guys want to hear us talk about. So this has been Get in the Garage. Have a good week at school. We'll see you next time.